0: Hey everyone, this is episode 16 of the Uncivilized podcast. I'm Brady. Art is here. We also have Emmanuel here with us today, and they're going to be doing an episode. Uh, I'll let them explain everything that they're going to be talking about today. And yeah, you guys can start. Thanks for the intro, Brady. This is Art. We apologize uh, for the lack of uploads. Uh, we're we're lazy. That <laughs> that's that's uh, that's about it. Is we're lazy as fuck, and so. You know, Emmanuel and I sat down. We decided we want to do an episode. You haven't been on here before, have you?
1: No, I've been a long time viewer of the podcast going back to its critical of capital days.
0: Oh, the cringe era, the bad times. Yeah. Since then. All right. Well, yeah. Well, how about you introduce yourself, like your positions, and maybe, you know, we can get into what this episode's about.
1: All right. So, my name's Emmanuel, and I would consider myself an anti civ anarchist with some post left and egoist leanings. My, my Instagram bio for uh, zero-sum nature basically sums up my views that civilization is neither sustainable nor desirable.
0: All right. Well, I agree. Obviously, civilization uh, is a fuck, essentially. Uh, so this episode is basically about why we believe environmentalism, especially in the conception that you see in the mainstream as well as in leftist circles, is both, again, undesirable and unsustainable. And basically, this came out of a conversation between Emmanuel and I, where we said, you know, to really have a environmentalist position, often you have to sacrifice one aspect of the environment for another. You know, if you want to have a green battery, you still have to do all the mining, the quarry work. You still have, at, at least at the current stage where we're at, uh, unsustainable powering of the factories and the stations that power the batteries, that develop the batteries. So really, it's like a give or take situation, and in the long term, as civilization develops, you know, you could see certain levels of environmental policies coming into effect, especially as everything begins to crumble around us as it currently is with the pandemic and the hurricanes that are absolutely butt fucking the east coast, <laughs> and then you have, of course, the the wildfires that ravaged the you know the west coast, California, Oregon, all of that. And, you know, just speaking about America and my personal understanding and, and, you know, go back just a few months, really, you had the the massive Australia fires, and then you're having situations of mass burnings in Latin America and all over the world. So this is an issue that's continuing. And we basically just wanted to get into that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, climate change is no longer just this ghost off in the distance anymore for us. It's something that we can see in real time developing and affecting our own lives. And it's only going to get worse from here. But I agree with you that modern environmentalism is really completely a sham. It's totally shallow science, and it really just comes at the environment from a very anthropocentric uh, perspective, and it's reliant on technologies that we don't even have invented yet that are totally theoretical. The way that I like to describe it is that a good metaphor is that we're jumping out of an airplane and trying to sew a parachute on the way down. We really have no fucking idea what we're doing here.
0: Yeah. And I think another, you know, another way it's like, you know, it was, uh, Daniel Quinn wrote, it's kind of like the plane is crashing. You know, we jumped right off the cliff and it seemed really good. And now we're just in a straight <laughs> fucking descent. And we're like, oh, this is, this is fine. We'll just keep fixing it. We'll, we'll be fine. We'll, <laughs> we'll, of course, correct. And, you know, there's people, there are people out there that are in the anti-civ position that really do think environment, you know, civilization, industrial civiliz- civilization more specifically, can correct, course correct and and create policies and, and economic systems or modes of production or what have you that are environmentally friendly in the best way possible. So, you know, one thing I know a lot of people talk about is the um, skyscraper gardens. You know, I'm talking about those yeah. large towers in which you don't need to utilize fast wafts of, you know, you know, natural, quote, natural land, you know, typically woodlands and forests that they use their soil for, for, for crops, or we turn to a more vegan or vegetarian diet. So we don't have to grow as much. And while these things are true, my issue with that, especially when you have to start approaching the issue of, of carbon releasing and all the issues that come up with that, the geoengineering essentially that comes with that, uh, you're you're expanding hum- humanity, or rather civilizations, grasp around the the functions of the uh, the natural environment, and hoping that that this system that you build around it won't fucking collapse around you. Because I, you know, Ted talks about in his anti-tech revolution, and one the final one of the final sections he talks about that you know if you build up this massive system that's supposed to help us relieve climate change or you know change weather. What happens if there's a, a glitch or it breaks down or something goes wrong? And now you have this massive geoengineering project that is now accelerating damage, perhaps more so than we're currently doing, even at this rate. So I think, again, it's one of those things that we might be able to relieve some stress on the environment in one spot, but increase it in another. And that's the give and take of civilization because it has a symbiotic relationship with the rest of the environment that's not even. So it takes in a lot of renewable and non-renewable energies and resources, but what it gives out can't break down in time to refresh what's being taken. And this is basic, you know, environmental biology that, you know, you learn in like fucking sixth grade, but when you would, you know, when it comes to fucking deciding how humanity should move forward, that shit goes right out the window or we go, well, maybe we just plant plant hemp or have solar panels. That'll fix all our problems. It's definitely not a systemic issue. Or then they turn it to, oh, it's, you know, we need socialism. Socialism will <laughs> solve our problems. Here's the issue with that as well. And while I actually am in agreement that socialism would actually be less of a stress than capitalism, I will again appeal to the give and take that you will again give less stress in one spot and an increasing in another. But the issue with appealing to socialism is, again, that's an abstract future. And, you know people can get upset all they want i i'm anti-capitalist i'm not gonna say capitalism's better than socialism i'm not one of those people that's not my interests but i really don't think that's an appeal unless you're going to be some like weird butch night where you're like yeah I, i'm like a luddite anarcho-communist type deal then sure i guess but again that fits into like designing abstract futures and i think at this point Because, like you said, climate change is not this specter, so to speak, of the future. We have to start dealing with the now. And the more we appeal to the future, the more devastating the the effects are going to be both on humans, human socialization, and the non-human world. So I think this continuing appeal to the future is actually driving us to our doom. Because we need solutions right now. And those solutions are an abandonment of civilization. An attack on the industrial system and on the the lies of green energy and the Green New Deal, which we can get into later. But that's enough of me rambling. What are your thoughts? Totally,
1: I'm in agreement with everything you said, and I think that there are a number of uh, difficult steps that civilization would have to go through and able to be able to sort of recuperate itself and prevent a total fall into chaos. Which I think, although it's complete speculation, it sounds unlikely to me because first of all, we have to presume. That technologies are even theoretically possible, which could um, alter the course of climate change. And then we have to assume that they'll be able to be implemented and that they can be implemented on a wide scale and that we won't have any sort of wars or political strife that could interrupt the implementation of these technologies. But I think that even if that does occur, we would see very bluntly the, the plain truth that, as Ted Kaczynski describes, that civilization... It does not improve the lives of humans for any other reason than its own preservation. We would see that if civilization on an industrial scale does manage to skate by and survive climate change, it wouldn't be some techno-communist utopia. It would probably rescind into some sort of um, hellish fascist world, because we'll see that it's not a world that's meant for us to have like, a pleasant life in. It's just the bare minimum that civilization has to do to get by. And... I think that people totally forget the scientific fact that the earth is more or less a closed a closed energy system and that we have energy that comes in from the sun and whatnot but for all biological life forms on earth they come from the same like pit of material you could call it like the primordial soup
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: there's like this uh land base which is sometimes converted to living organic matter and then dies and then returns to that state again before becoming part of some other organism. And we think that we can just keep pulling from that and increasing the human population and increasing structures that support humans or more accurately support civilization without also impacting the lives of non-humans. Because energy-wise, it is a zero-sum game on Earth. There's only so much organic material to go around. There's only so much space that animals can forage and hunt in. And any advancement on humanity's part means a regression on the other life forms of the earth. And you can't have, you can't have both of those. You can't advance humankind in the way that civilization divine, defines advancement and also create a better world for non-humans. And so most anthropocentric ecologists' perspective really just uh, reduces non-humans to an afterthought that only exists to serve human existence. Mm -hmm. and doesn't actually care for them it wouldn't provide what what the typical ecologists the civilized ecologists would have for non-humans would not represent any sort of semblance of a wild or healthy lifestyle for any organisms i think it would look like a zoo essentially that's the type of world they want
0: yeah and if you know if maybe i can assert maybe also kind of what you're touching on or maybe part of that development would be something resembling what people consider eco-fascism, because I very much do believe that could be something that we could see developing, uh, you know, as these, as the reality of climate change becomes more glaringly, glaringly obvious, you see mass immigration, such as that from Latin America, the, uh, the Muslim world, as you can call it, or rather the Middle East, as more people understand it to be North Africa, where you're going to see, Mass heat waves. These people are going to have to leave because they can't support themselves anymore. You're going to see mass immigration into the more industrialized worlds, and that products of that will be obviously social upheaval uh, in the context of capitalism or or class society as we understand it. Mass, you know, mass immigration has always been uh, how would you say reacted with uh, by negative force uh you know xenophobia nationalism things of that nature you're going to see larger and larger urbanization projects i uh, stress on those local environments that need to expand and this isn't me being anti-immigrant this is the fact of immigration and i don't judge immigrants for escaping shitty conditions for a better life So when some people say "fuck immigrants because they destroy my environment it's like well How are you going to say that? But when you're from the same country that's mass exploiting those countries and mass exploiting the environment at a higher rate than the countries these people come from, you know what I mean? Yeah, people, people always talk that garbage about how America is
1: like reducing its carbon emissions or whatever, while they blame third world countries, when the fact of the matter is that we are not isolated economic systems, and that the rise in pollution in third world countries is a direct result of the economic pressures we place on them. We are all part of the same system.
0: Yeah, and so, like, when people, like you said, you know, we, oh, look at our reduced carbon emission. But you know what I did? What we did? We just moved all that shit to the, <laughs> to the, the developing world and we offloaded our shit on them. Like, do you know where most of our recycling and trash goes now? I wouldn't say most, but a large portion, especially are our recycling. Like the West just,
1: Coast of Africa, right?
0: Yeah, that and like China, you know what they do? A lot of the time, they just fucking burn it. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, when people get mad at me for not recycling, there's been a few comedians. That I've talked about, it might have been George Carlin. I can't remember, but it said, you know, when I litter and people get mad, they're like, "What? Well, throw it in a trash can." It said, "Lady, we live in a tr- in a trash <laughs> heap. The city yeah. is the trash heap." It's like, I'm a sorry, controversial take. Yeah, it is, and it's like, here's, I, you know, to mention the the forbidden one, Edward Abbey. You know, <laughs> uh, in his book Monkey skin, he was known for it, that. You know, he would be drinking and just throw his fucking beer cans out the window. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, personally, like, I don't care about a clean city. Because to me, a disrupted, unkept, dirty city kind of represents that sort of resentment that's sort of overcoming, you know what I mean? It's where civilization mm-hmm. tries to organize, systematize, and clean, essentially. You know, for lack of better words, when you when you litter, when your room is messy, you know, Julian Lehner shares a sentiment as well. It's like, that's kind of the uncivilizing that's occurring. Mm-hmm. You know, some people think that's, kind of like pseudo, but in reality, I don't think that's a, I think that's a valid point. And I think that can go, that can lead to some level of action and thought, you know what I'm saying? Like, where, how can we look at these cities and, you know, as quote revolutionaries, insurrectionaries, primitivists, egoists, what can we do with our urban environment to deconstruct it on itself? Sort of a detourment from this uh, situation this international for those that are familiar, like what, what projects can recreate in that context and that's kind of what i'm interested in as well and i know others share that sentiment as well what do you th- what do you think in that talking about action and as the context of especially because i understand a lot of viewers are urban they live in urban environments they live in suburbia you know what i mean like larger mm-hmm. cities what do you think the action they should take in a l- legally allowable action you know I don't want this episode taken down i don't want I don't want to get <laughs> fucking FBI keeping my door in
1: <laughs> well i mean my own i have to, i should have shortly explain my own uh view on actions in general and taking from egoistic philosophy and just from the fact that the earth is the earth as we know it is more or less fucked within the next like centuries or so most likely uh I only really think that people should pursue what's what they really feel like doing. But in terms of what you could do in a city or something, I feel like trying to achieve more local autonomy could be a good move, as in growing your own food, creating community gardens, uh, community patrol instead of policing, and just trying to remove yourself from the global economic and technological system as much as possible, turning the city into a commune, more or less.
0: Yeah, would you also be interested in... You know, uh, what, Kamat, Jacques Kamat talked about you know leaving this world. You know, Kaczynski and others who who escape civilization, so to speak, at least in the material sense, and they go and live somewhat wildly, I suppose. But I think that's actually kind of because you still have so much internalization of civilization. But are you interested in people doing that, or do you think that's less useful than turning cities into communes? Well, I don't think anybody
1: has. I don't really know how to analyze this in terms of use, because in the end, it's the end result is still insignificant either way.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: and beside viewing, I think that even as ide- I think it's quite idealistic to try and imagine ourselves like Ted Kaczynski or Thoreau or anyone else. Yeah, who just runs Thoreau, away. Yeah. It's a very it's a bit of um, an upper class idea because most people are not going to have the opportunity because they're not going to have able to assemble the capital necessary to go out and own some section of the woods. Yeah. A lot of people will be constricted to living inside of cities and that's what they'll have to do.
0: Yeah, not just that, but the expanding growth of urban environments or or yeah. rising, you know, oh you have to follow all these protocols to be on this land and the you know what I mean, the land tax yeah. and all that shit. It, it's becoming honestly now if if Thoreau, Kaczynski, you know, Emerson, any of these you know, nature loving You know recluses tried to do it now it's so much more difficult if you haven't established yourself you know before it's becoming more and more difficult to to set yourself up in those conditions now so i do agree that acting within the context of the city and short-term excursions into the the wild you know if that's hunt, stabbing or what have you are what's important as, as opposed to this complete escape of the material
1: civilization we cannot escape uh, civilization materially or psychologically it's really an impossible task mm-hmm. even though we should still strive for it i believe
0: yeah i think i think i to go into that i don't mean to cut you off but can you expand on what you mean to escape civilization physically do you mean like it's just ever growing and ever present yeah and i mean we're all we're all raised dependent on it we don't have any
1: it's very difficult to be able to learn how to hunt and forage and be able to survive on your own it's, mm-hmm. it's a pipe dream, more or less. Even Ted Kaczynski had to go into town to uh, buy yep. rice and grains and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we can't even... Even that would be harder nowadays. Oh, yeah. I but agree. I, when it comes to that rewilding, an important point I don't see brought up as much as it should in these types of anti-civ circles is people overvalue the what I call the physical forms of rewilding and undervalue the psychological forms in the sense that a lot of people just run into the woods and play caveman. They think yeah. that being able to nap a stone arrow or start a fire makes you uncivilized when they still carry all of
0: the psychological baggage. Yes. That's what I was trying to get into. Yeah. That's, I enjoy you bringing that up. Cause you know, I talked to a lot of, especially like the macho type dudes, you know, I'm talking about the real macho. You're not going like, to name old, any names. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not to name names. I wasn't even thinking any names. I'm just thinking <laughs> these people cause I see them a lot, uh, in online rewilding spaces because i doubt they do fuck fuck all in the wild to be honest those uh-huh. that do and then they're fucking all they do is they act you know what they are they're just living in the country it's like wow you know what you've done you've lived in the countryside like a good portion and i'm not saying that's a bad thing if people want to live in the country that's cool but it's like you still have internalized yeah you're anti your anti-urbanism is not anti-civilization that needs to be fucking understood just because you're Cooler than the urbanites does not mean you're anti-civilization. Civilization is the is the the breaking down and the abuse, the internalization of all of these ethos and characteristics of civilization. Because um, in civilization and its discontents by Freud, he talks about how basically to, to domesticate a, a person is much like how you break a horse. You break them down out of their like sort of instinctual you know, natural, life-affirming qualities and you break them down to something that will cooperate. Because if you took a hunter-gatherer and you plopped them right down, gave him a job, that doesn't work. It just can't. The same way, admittedly, I don't think you can grab someone out of a city and throw them in the woods. Because sure, you can survive, but the ethos for a sustainable culture you want to build won't, won't be there. You have to develop those. And I mm-hmm. think that starts both uh, by yourself, but I think, you know, that not even then, because we didn't, serve, we we're not built to live by our ourselves, we live, you know, we're built to live communally or socially, we're social creatures. A lot of these people on the
1: internet or I find them quite annoying because of how ignorant they can be. They think that they're, they think that they're the new Ted Kaczynski and that they're uncivilized <laughs> Yeah, Even though Ted Kaczynski was a very civilized individual psychologically. I agree.
0: Oh, I agree. His manifesto comes off that way, even his anti-Tech revolution, which I'm currently rereading, especially for the first two chapters, about why, you know, the lack of rational control in human society and why the industrial system will destroy itself. But he has a very civilized way of understanding civilization. And in some places, it's justified, and I enjoy it but other times it comes from this overly rationalistic, logical perspective. And again, that's the systematizing aspect of civilization. And, you know, Zerzan and I have talked about this before privately, you know, that basically while his analysis, there's something there, he, he neglects often on purpose, admittedly, the role of domestication. And that's the root of it. You can't be against all of this shit and not domestication. And it's very s- obvious in his text because he talks like a civilized fucking person. It's very obvious.
1: <laughs> I've had enough of all the rationalist texts. We need more st- stuff that speaks to our souls.
0: Mm-hmm. Not even our just our souls, souls. Sure, but even just speaks to the, the uh, you know, I don't want to get essentialist and so it, we might disagree there, but, you know, speaking to something that's uncivilized. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Something that, we don't hear an everyday theory or you'd go, I don't want to feel like, I don't want to be taught like I'm in fucking school. That's my issue. And that's how it comes off is I don't want to be like I'm at school and I'm being given a lecture. I want, I want to be given tools in which I can look at this set of ideas. I can develop my own ideas and my own practice, my own theory, my own, you know what I mean? Create something new from that. I mean, a lot of the time people write with the intention of this is the correct way. And this is how you have to you have to agree with me. That's very much how Ted is. Because any any break from his, you know, anti-civilization, or should say, anti-tech revolutionary theory is is defeatist or or leftist. (laughs) Everything is leftist. I don't like. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you there.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that in order, if you haven't questioned sexuality, the idea of sexuality, race, gender, everything that comes from domestication, then you're just, like I said before, you're just playing caveman in the
0: woods. Yeah. And caveman in the woods. Well, it can be fun. I admit, sometimes I play caveman in the woods. I also try to look at this and be like, what are the ethos that separate who I am, you know, here right now, the sustainable lifeways ways and, and food paths, land base. And what is it when I'm back at school and I'm trying to, you know, I'm pursuing a career. What differs these two, Not materially, because it's very fucking obvious, the material difference. What is the psychological, the emotional difference? What are the ethical differences between these two life ways? And the more and more you analyze it, the more and more obvious it becomes. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, civilization and domestication are completely based off of control Mm -hmm. and um, standardization, the reduction of all unique things. I think it's good to have a discussion about gender here, just because I'm not sure how many of the anti-civ... People are actually um, into gender critical theory. No, gender critical is not the word I'm looking for. That's the turf thing. Sure. The the destruction of gender Mm -hmm. is that it's not denying that there's that biological sexes do exist in the form of chromosomes, but it's the grouping of people and the the defining of people by that. Because Mm -hmm. it would sound ridiculous if we were to fundamentally like split humans down the line of like. Blue eyes versus not blue eyes, or any other yeah. trait. So it's not to say that people have di- that people don't have different genitals or don't have different chromosomes, but it's that we define them down certain lines mm-hmm. for the purpose of civilization. Essentially,
0: essentially, what you're saying it's, it's it's basically arbitrary. Like, and while like, people, my issue is too. It's like people people will be like, well, this hunter gatherer tribe obviously had gender, and it's like, no, I wouldn't call that gender. First of all. Also appealing to the modern hunter-gatherer, as you know, in comparison to say the Middle Paleolithic, again, loses our point of view, and that's caveman role-playing. It's LARPing. You begin, you fail to see our criticism of domestication. Domestication does not begin with mass crops and tributary economies. It begins with the I, this was, I was gonna bring this up, the internalization of civilization. Civilization begins inside of you. It begins in the social relations far before material conditions have given way to what we consider civilization. Domestication goes so much far beyond that it begins with the you know the establishment of the ritual, the monopolization of, of these ethos or these the mysticism or what have you with the shaman the eventual and with both of those you begin to see the rise of of gender differences with the establishment of gender essentially then you, from there, you begin to also see more, more and more complex behavioral uh, differences. Uh, not to say that behavioral differences didn't exist. In fact, you know, even Homo erectus, we're beginning to understand we're quite behaviorally developed, quote unquote. But I'm, you know, I'm saying more like the differences of, of symbolism, symbolic culture, again the gender differences, uh, the separation of man and nature. So there's something quite interesting that our old cave art very rarely actually depicts people and more so animals. And when there are people, it's like we're in the middle or, you know, within it, it's not like we're, you know, when I say middle, I don't mean to say we're centerpiece. We're actually quite within the whole of it. But as the Paleolithic and even kind of the Mesolithic developed, we begin to see more and more human centric art, not just cave art, but the um, the, Ven- what are the 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 what are Venus uh, dolls, the Venus dolls. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm blanking on the name of them. Yeah. The, little, the little thick uh, <laughs> statuettes. Yeah. You're beginning to see this development. So goes far beyond that. And again, a, the idea of civilization being a rationalization system, systematizing system of control, even if hunter-gatherers did something, doesn't mean we have to repeat those same ethos. It's about, or same norms, because so many new ethos can be discovered and, and, and rediscovered even or created that's the thing breaking down civilization is about bringing about a new sense of individuality um, and, and communalism as well, of course, but you know, when civilization goes, you know, there's no one, there's no natural, there's no overarching human source force anymore with justification saying, you have, you have to be this way. You are this way, or you're subhuman, which is the action of civilization, essentially for most of its history is breaking down people and telling them they're subhuman when they don't fit into the category, categorizations that civilization requires so indigenous people queer people at some points you know you're beginning to perhaps see that fade there's quite a you know there's a discussion that we can have about that but they're considered subhuman because they were not in you know they did not favor the civilized development civilization at that point didn't need them you know it can begin to assimilate these things that you're you're starting to see the assimilation of queer you know iconography and all that and, you know, you, you can get into the whole systems need us trick and all that, but we can turn this back to gender a little bit, you know, like just I'm gender non-conforming and people will be like, oh, well, in the woods, it doesn't matter. You're right. It doesn't matter. And that's my point. It's my gender identity is a resistance to civilization systematizing or categorization of me as a person. Why do I need to put myself in a box if the point of civilization is to systematize? You see what I'm saying, or am I just rambling? Yeah, time? I get you. Yeah. No so, genders you know, allowed in the woods. Basically, it's, it just doesn't make any sense to me when these people have internalized and recreate relations of civilization under the guise of primitivism. And this is the same thing with the communist movement. How often has you know the, the radical socialist position been taken and recuperated? you know? And now you're starting to see that, like, oh, Bernie Sanders, a socialist. You know, and then words lose meaning. Words lose meaning, things become recuperated into the the dominant system, which is right now capitalist civilization, industrial society, what have you. And eventually that could become socialist civilization, communist civilization, or whatever that could look like. Again, that's more of an abstract future. But, you know, the failure of civilization, or really both its strength, its purpose, and failure. Again, I'm going to keep saying the word categorization. It is, it's, it's at the core into, I think to me, the deconstruction theory that, you know, you see someone in post-structuralism and in post-modernism while criticized by, by primitivists like Zerzan is quite important to the as, the mental aspect of rewilding. And it may not be possible for everyone. And, you know, I may not, you know, Emmanuel and I talked about how we're both comfortable with our lives and we can't imagine totally ourselves out in the woods in some sort of collapse dystopia or utopia whatever you want to call it and that's to me that's fine i can acknowledge that and in spite of that acknowledgement still act yeah i don't know i think people it comes almost like this weird macho gatekeeping within primitivist theory quite often i do think kazinski is somewhat It's not somewhat mostly fucking guilty of that of at least starting that sort of um trend and I do, and I think we need to have a reassessment of how we understand both rewilding and how civilization yeah. absorbs uh, components of the individual and of nature itself. Civilization, the way I see
1: it, is ultimately just a sorting machine that it, it analyzes everything in existence. And the way I see it is that existence itself is essentially a psychedelic experience. That there's mm-hmm. there's no clear boundaries. Nothing makes any sense. But civilization can't deal with that because all it wants to do is to consume and expand. So it has to divide things into... It creates the idea of humans as creatures who can assist it in its expanding. Except for, of course, savages who aren't humans and are essentially enemies. Mm -hmm. And then there's non-humans which are exploited toward the end of expansion. And the reduction of humans to males and females... To become creatures whose purpose is to reproduce for its expansion
0: yeah that's a that's a good point and i I have a lot of agreement with you that the separation the divisions between things we have we essentially have exited the sense of of wholeness and of of community not just with each other but with the larger ecosystem you know we have upset the uh, metabolic rift uh both socially and materially, and we are facing the consequences and our You know, to tie this back to our original conversation, our ecology, the mainstream ecology is still a reproduction of this ethos of this concept of categorization. It hasn't overcome that and until you overcome that. You are not an environmentalist or pro-ecology or pro-environment. You're pro-civilization and you're trying to paint it green. That's what you're trying to do and you can't do it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Now that we're on the topic again of the environmentalism,
1: did you want to talk about um where your environmentalism comes from, and then I'll tell you mine.
0: Yeah, sure. And this is something me and Brady have talked about, but really my environmentalism comes from, I have an emotional connection to seeing the the wild being destroyed. And while I typically come from, I would say it's like kind of, it's like a suburban where I live now. I've kind of moved, so it's a bit of a smaller town where I am at uh, for university. It's a little different. I unfortunately don't get quite as much Um connection with like nature or wild spaces because a lot of it just uh very controlled parks but i still have an emotional connection i've developed it's also somewhat of a, a rational like i need this for my own mental health my own good uh, but it also comes from an egotistical you know against the 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 collectivist, for lack of a better word, absorption of all individuals and communities into civilization. So it's quite an egoist and a nihilist perspective of you know seeping the destruction of all that's against my ego, uh, which I know is quite often or quite similar to your notion as well. Correct?
1: Yeah, I have a very similar take on that because I also do feel an emotional connection to not only the animals but the plants of wilderness. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if people might not be aware, but In my ethical perspective, I don't distinguish between humans and non-humans in terms of how I view the worth of their lives. Mm -hmm. And so I value everything that's in the forests. I, of course, I find them beautiful and I like to enjoy them. So even though from a nihilist perspective, it doesn't really matter what happens in the end, I'm also motivated somewhat by spite against whoever would try to destroy the things I find beautiful.
0: Exactly. Yes. It is quite, like, it's this almost, would you think sometimes it becomes this sort of, like, indescribable, like, anger or hate, like, this loathing that you're, like, yeah, I can't, like, rationalize how I feel, but holy fuck, I hate it. And I hate you for doing that. Which is, you know, when you hear, I remember you made that that joke about the loggers, how many of them die, you're, like, not enough. And then we're not (laughs) mad at you. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, well, you know they are still complicit. They're acting in it. I'm sorry. Like I, I'm willing to fucking argue that I'm sorry. But when your point of it comes down to, well, they, you know, they need the job. It's like, you can justify a lot of shit with, well, he needed to, you don't see people justifying the police for that. Well, you do officers, you don't, but like, I wouldn't go to that extent, but (laughs) I know what you're saying, but like these leftists, these leftists who are like, Oh, cab, fuck you. There's no reason to be a cop. And then they're a lawyer. It's like, Oh, you know, they needed to do it for a job. It's like, but if I said that about the police, you would say, no, see, they didn't have to. It's like, well, then why do we have to play the same? Why don't we decide? Why don't we apply the same logic to loggers and other you know, workers? I will say that they're less guilty than the logging CEOs. Like, I'm not saying go out and just, you know, bust a cap in a fucking logger. That's not my interest, but I do think we need to, it it is partly a class issue. And I will say that I do have, some overlap with Marxists and and anarchists in that sense, in that, like, I understand this is also an issue of capitalism. And to an extent, yeah, they don't, some people might not have a choice, and that is the issue, is because they're then pushed into these positions, but I still see them as guilty. But just because I see them as guilty doesn't mean I think they should be, you know, fucking slaughtered for it. That's just not my position. And I know some people disagree, both in an ironic and unironic manner, but I just don't think that's the correct way to approach. Those well,
1: issues? I hate the garbage leftist take, people just regurgitate Marx about how we're all on the same side because we're proletarians or whatever. Mm-hmm. The idea that it's just like these split classes into teams and I'm against all of the bourgeois and I'm with all of the proletariat. Yeah. Hell no. I have a lot of personal differences between the other proletarians.
0: Mm-hmm. And the only way that works, the only way their establishment works, is if you understand that communism is the, own goal, the end goal we should achieve. So once you don't, once you disregard that, you can still acknowledge class while not having a complete class solidarity.
1: I'm just saying that just because we're in the same economic class doesn't mean we're friends
0: and we have the same goals in mind. Sure, and I think, exactly. and I, yeah, I will, I will agree with that to at least an extent because I do think we often share. You know the, the idea of a proletarian is very widespread now. Obviously, it still means say it's someone who works and has their labor exploited. But there's so many rich, unethical fuckhead workers who benefit from imperialism, the destruction of the environment more so than other workers, especially those in the third world. They're you know oppressed groups in say America. You know like like black black people, indigenous people, uh, pe- indigenous people both. From mainland North America or Turtle Island, as well as those from South and Central America, who come north because you know America coos the fuck out of every goddamn thing, or they ruin <laughs> the environment by exporting by exporting these and these green technologies and and methods and techniques, or the expansion <laughs> of, of climate change that affects these these groups. Yeah. So I, I just comes down to this bullshit again, like it this macho primitivism that's so toxic for primitivist faces because they're incapable because a lot of them have this also like internalization of like American exceptionalism for some reason. So like weird off that way. Isn't it so fucking like weird? Like I don't quite I don't quite understand it. Like how you how you do that.
1: <laughs> We've said it before, but the best anti Civ people are those that came from a leftist upbringing, those who came from leftist philosophy versus libertarian crap.
0: Or like just a general like weird conservative, because then they yeah. just, then they all they do is worship Ted. Like the they Ted don't have, fans.
1: They don't have any grasp of how the economy works, political economy. Mm-hmm. Unless they've had a little bit of dipping their toes in Marxism.
0: Or they fucking all, they're the same people like, actually, it's not capitalism, this is corporatism. Oh jeez. or they try to say like primitive people would have capitalism because they trade and you just want to fucking strangle them (laughs) those people that
1: say that corporatism isn't capitalism are like at an equivalent level of utopianism as i mean their their idea of capitalism doesn't exist just how socialism doesn't exist they're both imaginary things in that sense
0: yeah and so no
1: true capitalism
0: (laughs) i love the the people that say well you know, when they might make fun of socialists for saying that wasn't real socialism, but everything they ever say is, well, you know, that's not real capitalism.
1: <laughs> that's corporate.
0: Yeah. That's corporatism. Read a but, book, nerd. <laughs> for real. I will say, I think this is probably a good spot to end. Uh All if, right. Unless you have anything else you want to add, if there's any other topics you want to talk about. I uh, can't think of any at the moment. I think but... this is. a Oh, go on.
1: No, I was just saying that uh, I'd be glad to come on another time, and thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking, you know, I'm trying to get back into this. It's wonderful. I recorded this in the middle of my midterms, and I'm definitely putting off work to do this, because I totally (laughs) forgot I told Jack to record, and then he asked me yesterday, are we going to record? And then he asked me today, are we going to record? I was like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to try and get back, you know, I'm going to see, kind of get Brady on, get Ben, for those that remember Ben from Critical Capital, some of our anti-fascism episodes they were on, we're going to maybe talk about some uh, philosophy, actually, maybe that could be interesting. And so we'll see where that goes. So uh, I just want to say thanks for listening to another episode of Uncivilized and have a great day.